is a wonderful thing to be reminded of how great God is. We read earlier in Genesis 1, he's great because he created everything. Um, he's great because he's faithful. I mean, you think of that word faithfulness and it's, you know, taken for granted. But I mean, when you, when you think about the people you know, and let's face it, most of the people we know are family, friends, and coworkers. So these are people we like. And how many people are, or would you say, are faithful? Uh, that, that's a prized and treasured badge to wear is being somebody who, you know, you're, you're faithful. Well, what is that? What is that uh, command? It commands that you're truthful, right? That you're honest, that you're earnest. And so these are important character things. And it's true that we could only with great certainty say God is faithful. Great faithfulness. And in that, that's what we put all our, our hope and our faith and our trust in. It's pretty important. We're, we're betting our lives. We're betting our lives on this truth of who God is and his faithfulness. In our series that we're going through is Truth Matters. And we're looking at uh, these, these political issues that have fused themselves into the church uh, into specifically progressive Christianity. And maybe you ask yourself, well, you know, why, why do we have to, you know, kind of get political? And we're not being political. Um, what we're doing is looking at what's happening within the, the modern church movement and how the modern church movement is being political and how the modern church movement is infusing these things that are very misguided into the church. Uh, well, now as a shepherd, as one who is called to warn, these are things that we need to identify and address. And that's why we're, we're going through this. And there's, there's no mistake that this is a spiritual battle. And when I think of politics, I, I also think in terms of, well, you know, we used to call it civics, you know, for us old timers. And, you know, civic law is, you know, we all live in this community and, and we have civic law. And what's civic law? Well, we, we make rules and laws that, that mandate how we live together, right? They, they tell us things like stealing is wrong. Um, we have judgments, we have penalty for, and consequences. Well, that's morality. Civic law creates and judges morals. And what we're seeing in America is a, a, a long slide from a foundation of having a biblical base for our morals to a postmodern one, which is, well, what is morality? Whose truth? What, what is, what, what is, you know, um, empirical? And what we've seen is this great shift, especially towards science, right? Uh, we just went through a, a, a huge turmoil the past few years. And one of the leading scientists or advocates who had the audacity to proclaim himself, I am the science, the great Dr. Fauci. Well, today we're going to look at climate change, the climate <laughs> crisis, or as I like to say, the, the climate crusade. 
What's a crusade? A crusader or a crusader are people who, who fight and campaign and, and champion and advocate uh, to you know, achieve a, a greater good, a greater goal. Well, make no mistake, these are not passive people. This is an aggressive crusade. And it, and it doesn't just happen passively on the side. No, this is a crusade against, against God, against Scripture. And we'll go through this and, and explain this as we go. But again, just, just thinking in terms of God is faithful to what? To uphold the earth. Well, no, God isn't faithful to do that because we're going to destroy the earth. I mean, just think of it in, in that context. We're dealing with people who have real strong beliefs and then get hyper emotional about it. And, and the activism that's behind it is, um, you know, with, with a lot of destruction. Uh, it's not peaceful, not, not at all, and it's all over the world. We've heard from the United Nations, right? I mean, because they would, you know, never lead us astray. The United, United Nations, the greatest threat, the greatest threat facing humanity is the climate. Think about that for a second. We see in our pop culture so many books, so many books, dystopian books, you know, Fahrenheit 451, Brave New World, 1984, The Giver, you know, talking about how, you know, we're all going to come together at the end in a, you know, utopian way. But how do they get there in all the books? In all the books, they get there by some, you know, catastrophic, catastrophic, Usually it has to do with some kind of climate thing, as though they've, they're setting us up for a belief system. I mean, movies, so many different movies, you know, um, some weird and wild ones, some that are interesting. I think of Waterworld, you know, where the world's just water, or Snowpiercer, it's all snow, Maze Runner, Oblivion, you know, these I'm sure you guys have seen, or, or I like this one, Armageddon, you know, let's just change the book of Revelation, and, and now it's a meteor. Um, or, you know, let's, let's not keep the kids out. We'll have a cartoon, you know, Wally, right? And the problem is, is that these books are, are, are again, they're, they're a doctrine. And, and they're laying a groundwork to where we don't even think about it. It's like, well, of course. Of course there's going to be a, a catastrophic end to the world because of what the humans have done. The question is, is it true? And there's a difference between the climate changing and the climate being destroyed, the catastrophic nature of it. And so it begs the question, well, what's the real issue? I mean, what is the real issue here? And, and remember, truth matters. Getting to the truth matters because we see all this panic and fear all these scare tactics that are being used in the, in the language. I mean, just, just read, you know, the headlines in newspapers, magazines, and, and the media. The hysteria that is implanted in our schools. This is one of the, the biggest problems I have with our, our government schools. Just, just preaching this dogma as though it's empirical fact. It's not fact. It's fiction. And now it's infiltrated in so many of our churches. Well, most of our people have gone to public schools, so now most of you know, Christians are in the churches. It makes perfect sense to them. And are they scientific? I mean, where's the evidence? Show me the evidence. Christians are not 
non-science. Christians believe in true and real science, and we'll talk about that. So it just leads me to believe then that this is not only just a political issue, but even more dangerous and more scary. This is a religious battle. It's a spiritual battle. Who is their God? And the question for you is, well, who's your God? I mean, do you trust the God of this book or, or are you believing in other outside influences? And, and that's where I'm coming from. That's the, the danger and the fear as we're hearing through so many churches, through prominent Christian magazines and books. I believe in a sovereign God. Now, of course, the world has no problem blaming God with its, you know, well, these are acts of God, right? When there's a tsunami or a hurricane, earthquakes over a volcano. So they trust that, you know, these acts of, God's can, can, acts of God can destroy the earth. But then there's no faith that God can, what, not fix the earth, not sustain it, not protect it. It's kind of an interesting dilemma they have. We talk about truth matters in this series, and uh, one of the backgrounds I come from in my you know, previous uh, you know, life and different things I've done was, was fraud, fraud prevention. And you know, I was a part of a, of a nationally syndicated radio show called, you know, uh, you know there was a fraud show, um, helped co-write a book uh, on fraud, the A to, to Z on fraud, and I was, uh, worked with someone who was an expert at fraud. And, and, and he had come up with these, these, these are the key, the three keys to fraud, and it works for everything. The three keys to fraud that you have to look, look out for is failure to disclose key material facts. They, they leave truth out, right? The, the sin of omission, the logical fallacy of omitting all the facts. That's science. They draw big, giant conclusions. The earth is going to die. It's going to be over in 10 years, but with little evidence or no evidence. And then they also, in the third piece, is diversion. Diversion, diversion, diversion. Get, get your head off of what's right in front of your face and, well, we'll throw out some other, other things. Well, these are three keys that of, of fraud that we see riddled throughout the use of science now. Good science, good biblical study is healthy skepticism. Right? We should wonder why. We, we should, as the Bereans in Acts 17, test, examine to see if it is so. That's a good thing. I'm not saying we just blindly you know, disagree with science and only believe in the Bible. No, we're called to examine. And that's why under the scrutiny of science, science has failed so many times, in, and especially in this issue. And so the question is, is climate change dire? Is it something that we're supposed to be, you know, scared to death of? Is there warming? Is there some warming? Well, it feels pretty warm today. Yeah, there's warming. Um, but is it caused by humans? You know, is it because you drove your cars all week that were hotter today? Um, can it be fixed by humans? Uh, we've been trying. Not much change. Doesn't look good. Are there natural changes that we see? Yes. Always have been, always will be change. 
We see these lies and these statistics that are, you know, repeated over and over again. You know, the 97% of scientists agree and believe. Uh, first of, of all, that's a lie. Uh, it's been fact-checked over and over again, and it's not even close to the truth. And if it were true, all that would mean is 97% of scientists are wrong, which is even more scary. But they just follow the flow, and we'll talk about that as well. So today we want to look at four biblical responses to this climate crusade. Four biblical responses. The first one is, the most essential, God created the earth. God created the earth. Don't ever let that exit your mind. The second one is, God's truth is clearly and evidently seen. You can see it. The third response is, God has authority. God has dominion. God is sovereign. God has authority. And because of that, finally, their final response is, God upholds the earth. God upholds the earth. Well, as a final just kind of introduction and note, why the climate crusade? Think about, and, and you know, as creating classes and courses for, for our little school upstairs, part of what I've done is gone through uh, looking at fake news and mirroring that with logical fallacies. And so it's one thing to say, ah, oh, that's fake. Okay, well, why, right? And when you look at the logical fallacies, which there's, you know, like 45 of them, and you line them up with how they use logical fallacies to divert attention and create fake news. Well, one of them is this logical fallacy of an appeal to authority. Well, what's that? Well, the experts say, right? The scientists say, um, you know, that's an appeal to authority. Or, or, well, all the countries, you know, Finland and Sweden say, um, side note, you know, why would we ever want to follow two countries that are like only people are blonde haired and white? <laughs> and that's where we go to for our like our racist, you know, issues. And it's freezing cold in there all, you know, all the, every day, all day. And we're supposed to like live our lives like them. Makes no sense. But I digress. We don't follow you know, these other countries as though they're experts just because this little country, this little village is able to niche out a way of life in a certain part of the world and it works for them. I don't think Finland and Hawaiians are on the same par, right? Um, politicians, well, AOC, Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez, she knows science, um, okay? What about our actors, Leonardo DiCaprio? I mean, you know, the guy's good looking and young. Well, he's not good looking or young anymore. Um, you know, but we're going to follow the actors. The actors, they're passionate about it, right? They can read Leonard Nimoy. Remember Spock? You know, he played Spock. He played a genius on TV. So they rolled him out for commercials, you know, 50 years ago. Nothing's new. Movies, I mentioned that. Newspapers, well, the New York Times. I mean, if the New York Times says it, the Washington Post. You know, then that's got to be true. Magazines, I mean, Time, Time or, you know, Life Magazine. I mean, they're credible. You know, the media, CNN would never lie to you. You know, NBC, ABC, CBS, AB, you know, they're, they're, they're not liars. How about our universities? Harvard, Yale, Stanford. They're never wrong. 
Then I have my favorites, just the scientists. I like that one. Well, scientists say, you know, why don't we just say, well, random dudes say. Um, I don't even know what that means. They parade out, you know, people like, you know, Brad Pitt. You know, he's cool. Bill Nye, the science guy. Some geeky caric caricature of science. Um, how about failed presidential candidates, Al Gore? Um, he won two Academy Awards and a Nobel Peace Prize for spewing out things that have been proven wrong. How about that one? And then my ultimate favorite, Greta Thunberg. <laughs> because, you know, I mean, if, if she's wrong, I mean, she doesn't understand science, then, you know, then none of us do, right? Because she's just a genius and an expert who waggles the finger. How dare you? How dare her? Um, but they put her out there because she's young. She's a girl. She's even got issues. And so if you say anything about her being wrong, then really you're ta attacking the young girls and people with issues. So you kind of have to back off. So there's never accountability. None of these organizations, that none of them have accountability. Well, they will someday. And the amount of people that they're leading astray because they're worshiping the world instead of God is shameful, absolutely shameful. Well, our first response uh, to this climate crusade is God created the earth. And we read earlier Genesis 1, in the beginning, God created the heavens and the earth. So God has this power and authority to speak out of nothing the earth. That's pretty good. Um, he has the power and authority to create the expanse in the sky. And again, you know, I've read this so many different times. And, you know, it's like, okay, you know, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to figure out how to, like, really explain this. Because this is super cool. How the earth was formless and void and darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was moving over the surface of the world and God said, let there be light and there was light. God said that the light was good and separated the light from darkness. It's like, yeah, I want to explain that. You know, I can't other than just reading it. And, and, and then there, God said, let there be an expanse in the midst of the waters and let the waters separate from the waters. And God made the expanse and separated the waters which were below the expanse and the waters which were above the expanse. And it was so. And so we see that God has this power to create what we look in the, in the sky and the atmosphere and the earth and contain through all of this are elements of water, right? And yet they're separated and they're unique and they're different and so incredibly complex. And God was writing about it 3,500 years ago to Moses. And so we see that God has created this. We, we see this concept of this intelligent designer, not time and random chance, evolution, that it just miraculously came out of nowhere over and over and over and over and over again because every single species would have to have happened the same thing. Every land creature, sea creature, flying creature, creeping, crawling creature, all those transitions, all those different morphs and changes that would have had to happen evolutionary, which by the way, it takes a male and a female to come together to create these new... And so 
not only would these animals have to transition, they would have to do it at the exact same time perfectly in order to mate, in order to create this new breeding species. I don't want to say impossible. Um, miraculous, yes. Mir um, but according to evolution, that's what it would take. And scientists have no problem believing in this great mystery. Scientists, evolutionists are 100% believing this by faith. That's what makes it a religion. They're faith-based, just like we are. We were not there standing there in the beginning when God breathed life into the universe. That's by faith. We, we don't shy away from that. We have proof and evidence through his word that this is how it happened. But God created the earth. He's the intelligent desire. We see it in everything. We've mentioned this before. Everything that you see when you look around, you don't see you know, the TV. You don't see the cross. You don't see a guitar. You don't see a speaker. You don't see a, a, um, a clock and say, wow, how did that come out of nothing? You say, well, I wonder who made that, right? How did, where, where did that come from? A perfect climate, perfect climate for air to breathe, not too much sun, not too little sun, not too much rain, not too little rain. All of this by God's creative hands. It's an amazing thing, an amazing thing. And to not give God credit and glory for that is a lack of fear which is what we see in Proverbs 1. It says, the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. We don't fear the creator of the universe and you don't have any wisdom. Well, then it leaves you to kind of start thinking other things. By the way, as Christians, one of the straw men, logical fallacies or arguments is, yeah, we just don't care. We, we just don't care about the earth. We, we believe in abusing the earth, right? No, that's... That's, that's a lie. That's a myth. We don't, we don't think that we're supposed to just do whatever we want to do, right? Um, in fact, we see in Genesis 1 that, that man was created. In verse 28, God blessed them and said, Be fruitful, multiply, fill the earth, subdue it, and rule over it. Man has been given charge to rule over the earth, not to abuse animals, not to abuse the ground. We're, we're, we're accountable as stewards of what God has given us. He has given us a stewardship over vegetation and plants and, and trees and, and animals to take care of. They're not ours. They're his. We, we, we take care of them. Ask any farmer. Ask anybody who raises animals how much they care and love for the ground and understand it in ways that, if you want to know real wisdom, Talk to a dirt farmer. Don't talk to a scientist. Talk to somebody who does it, not somebody who reads about it. Um, we see it in Noah. We see in Noah taking care of all the animals, right? On the ark. He was in charge of, of, of their oversight so that when God repopulated the earth, all the animals came off. It's because mankind doesn't abuse God's creation. We care for it as God's creation. One of the things that we see, we see that God is the creator and then there's got to be an undermining of that because if God's the creator, then we have to listen to him, right? If he created it, then he owns it. 
If, if he's the creator of the universe and he's, he's the moral being who he sets the law and the standards, well, we've got to erase all that. So how about something like, well, Mother Nature or Mother Earth, which is funny because God is considered the father. And so you, I guess it was just by accident that the, the flip side would be, well, let's create a mother that's the antithesis of a god. And this was from a long time ago. This is from the early Greeks and the ancient Romans. And it's all over the world that we see this appeal to, you know, this, this nurturing mom who really is the, the, the one. And, and, and in seeing this and in, in birthing, you can understand like what a mom goes through to give birth. I mean, everybody in this room should thank their mama today for what mom did to go through to have you, especially if you're the second child. Because once they did it, once. Um, and so they appeal to this, this mothering, this coddling of a mother as though mother nature cares more about the earth and what's going on than the father of the universe. And then the, all-time rival against God and against God creating the earth is science itself. Even though the Bible, the Bible is the most accurate scientific book ever written. Every single book in a local school has, has had to be revised. Why? Because of all the errors that science has made. You look at the Bible and, and again, it's over... Th- 3,000 years ago, historically, always right, geographically, places are where they're supposed to be, archaeologically, astrologically, the astronomy of it, it's so accurate, and it's never wrong. It's amazing. It's an amazing book. It's an amazing science book. Now, it doesn't go into the, to the deep details of the science, but the bigger narrative picture, it's, it's so way ahead of its time. It's unbelievable. And we see that in the first chapter with God creating the earth and the order that we see. We see things like the hydrological cycle in, in, in Job where it explains how water works, right? Now, we look at it today and go, well, yeah, but again, put on some sandals and turn the electricity off and, and explain how water works back then. And the Bible's doing it in, the, in early, early in Scripture. Well, here's the issue. The issue is, who do we follow? Do we follow and trust the, 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 the God of the Bible, the God that says in the beginning, this is how it worked? Or do we follow these other ideas? And, and again, I want to draw you to the scientific method and the Bible. Because the Bible is not in opposition to like the scientific method, the observation, identification, description, experimentation, investigation, then that's science. Have a hypothesis. Have any hypothesis you want. But now you're going to have to test it out. You're going to have to experiment. You're going to have to repeat that. Right? <coughs> Do it over and over again. All right, we got it. We'll call that a law now. Now I can trust my brakes. I can get in an airplane because the laws of, of science are, are fixed and, and those are good. Physics, chemistry are dependent upon repeatable laws, right? Well, we get that through the scientific method and it can be used over and over again. In fact, the funny thing is right now, because of, 
of, of their biggest beliefs, evolution and climate change, they're actually falling away from the scientific method. You, you read scientific, well, eh, the scientific method isn't, isn't all that it's cracked up to be. Why? Because they can't repeat their hypothesis or it hasn't proven itself out, so they're not patient enough for it. But true science is patient. True science has to see the evidence before them repeated and, and, and done over and over and over again. Well, modern day scientists don't like the scientific method anymore. That's interesting. Ephesians 5.11 says, Take no part in unfaithful works of darkness. Instead, expose them. When I think of unfaithful works of darkness, I can't go any further than things like evolution and climate change. It says this argument isn't about pollution and waste. That's not really what they're addressing. It, it's an attack on God, the creator of the universe. Well, how so? Well, our second response is God's truth is clearly evident. We've been looking at Romans 1 for a few weeks now, and I'll go back to Romans 1, 18. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who suppress the truth and unrighteousness, because that which is known about God is evident within them, that God made it evident to them. So scripture says, you know what? God told you in your heart, in your mind, what is right. That's why you can go to islands from the history of mankind and the tribals are in there and they sit there and they're worshiping something because God has designed man to worship and, and, and they know that there's something out there. There's something evident within them that has made them and created them and, and is in charge and sustains it. So they look up at the sun and they go, well, I'm dependent on the sun and my crops. So they worship the sun. That's how they get there. Well, God says it's, it's evident within us for since the creation of the world, his invisible attributes, his eternal power and divine nature have clearly been seen. They should look up at the sun and not say, I'm going to worship the sun, but go, well, who made the sun and worship that? That's what they should have done. And God says, because it's clear and it's clear to God that you're without excuse. For even though they knew God, they did not honor him or give thanks. So look, people know that things don't come out of nothing. They know that. But they can't accept it. So they become futile in their speculations. They'll believe in speculating things. Spontaneous combustion. And their foolish hearts are darkened. Professing to be wise, they become fools. Who professes wisdom? More than anybody, the scientists, right? You realize also that tied into the scientists is the university. Most of the scientists actually work for universities that have a medical center, a science center tied into them. Should it be a surprise that they're also highly, highly uh, reliant upon funding? Uh, and they seem to get a lot of money when they come up with new ideas or things that are like, you know what? We found this thing in the Arctic that looks like it came from Mars. It's a good thing because we had just lost all our funding for that. And now, lo and behold, we got 20 more years. I remember reading that article 15 years ago in the L.A. Times when I was doing fraud. And it's like, 
This has every element in the front about 20 different times in the article. Maybe, could be, might be, should have, could have. No facts. Could you imagine if you could report to somebody, I think I discovered something and they ha wrote you a $10 million check? You think you might come up with some things? Um, well, because they suppress the truth, God, because they reject God, they, they profess wisdom, they become fools. That's what's happening. I mean, look around. Things are self-evident. We come from Southern California, you know, where earthquakes happen every single day. They don't. We, we've had some earthquakes. I've been alive even as a little baby for the major ones. I can remember them. You know why? Because they don't happen that often. Because there's not like this escalation of major earthquakes that's happening. We, we can name them because they are rare. They're not on the increase. What about hurricanes? What about tsunamis? See, we're told that, well, the climate is changing and we're going to all die. And we're all, it's leading us to destruction. We're going to have droughts and famine. None of this stuff has happened. And by the way, they've pre been predicting this since the 40s. Get to that in a little bit. But just look around. You don't need to be a genius to figure this stuff out. Turn your, you know, and look, CNN is not bashful about reporting hurricanes and volcanoes and, and earthquakes, right? Well, they're, they're not there. They're so microscopic. You know, we have uh, Caltech, you know, they, they test whether or not there's earthquakes. Well, there's earthquakes happening every day. Yeah, so mild that you can't feel it. Ooh. I mean, remember, we're talking about catastrophic change that's going to kill the earth, not changes that you can't feel. Not to be funny, to be funny. I don't know. That's like one of those things where you say, um, you know, uh, no offense, but. <laughs> but no offense, but scientists, meteorologists can't predict tomorrow's weather. Now, that's funny, but it's also just soak that in for a second. Just just think about that. We're trusting people. We're trusting a field that can't predict tomorrow's weather about 10, 20 years from now. And we're all going to die again. You know, just a little caveat. But you don't know if it's going to rain tomorrow. I mean, you have a better chance of looking at Mount Rainier and doing that little, you know, cloud over the cap thing than a meteorologist. And we're going to put all our chips in and believe these guys. So I, I did some research and just looking at, I don't know, a few predictions over, you know, since the 40s. I mean, I had to stop. I had three pages just full of stuff of the false narrative. Uh, 1943, the U.S. oil is going to reach peak production by 2019. That means we're going to be out of a natural resource. By 2019, we actually were a net exporter of oil. You want to talk about radical reverses. 1958, New York ties the polar ice pack. The polar ice pack, sheets of ice. And so in the 50s, for till about 1980, 
We were all going to freeze to death. There's some people in this room who are old enough who remember all the scares of the, the new ice age. The new ice age is coming. It's coming. It's coming by 20,000. It's coming by 2020. It's coming by 2030. They always had to change, right? But it's coming. Well, everybody reported on this in the New York Times, the Washington, you know, Washington Post, the United Nations. Um, hey, I remember when I was a kid. You know what was going to kill us? The killer bees. They had to migrate because of climate. So all these weird things are always related to climate, by the way. So the killer bees had to leave Brazil. It was, the climate was wrong. They're going to travel through Central America. and They made movies of this. They were cool movies. And the killer bees killed everybody. It was awesome. Well, that never happened. Um, 1970, there was going to be you know, water rationing um, because the oceans were going to die. Um, 1970s, there's all of a sudden, you know, going to be mass starvation. Uh, nobody's ever starved in America. People don't starve in America. That's a lie. NASA, 1971, NASA said we were 50 years away from an ice age. That was 2020. Nope. Didn't happen. Um, Brown University. Um, there's going to be a global deterioration. Why? 1972, because of climate cooling, cooling. Well, then all of a sudden, 1974, we start hearing about this other thing. Uh, some of you will remember this well, the ozone, the hole in the ozone. Why? Because you all were spray, spraying your hair with Aquanet. <laughs> now we have to look at flat hair. We used to have really super cool high hair in the 80s. It was awesome. Even the dudes did it. Well, maybe that wasn't a bad thing. That was, that was a good thing. But the ozone, the ozone, the hole is getting bigger and bigger. What happened to the ozone? We're supposed to be dead. Now, look, this would be funny if it wasn't funny because they're scaring our children to death. They're changing a way of life. Not that that's always bad, but to the point where, what, you can't drive to work? You can't use tools? You have to be... You know, you have to mow your lawn and the battery runs out before you can finish the lawn. Um, the, the scientific consensus, the consensus, oh yeah, they always go along with this stuff. They're always, you know, the team is on the team. The 90%, if you want to call it that, fine. Um, then, because, it, well, we didn't have a, a we didn't have an ice age, and the ozone uh, kind of was, wasn't warm enough. So, so then it was like, well, look, there's a shift in the 90s. Change. It's going to change. Well, no, duh. Yeah, the, the earth changes. The climate changes. Again, not to the point of mass destruct destruction. So in 2000, you know, starting in 2000, we started to hear things again like, well, there's not even going to be any snowfall. Anymore. You know, by 2021 in California, you know, they're, they're not going to have any snow. Um, yeah, they never have snow in Santa Monica. They do in the mountains, but not at the beach. And who's spreading these lies? The New York Times, the CNN. See, here's the thing. <coughs> and I was going to go through this, but there's too many. 
There's so many false predictions that some scientific guy who gets a grant spews out a paper and then some lazy journalist writes it in New York Times and then 150 other papers repeat them and then CNN and all the other you know, news outlets repeat them and then before you know it, well, of course we're all going to die. They just keep repeating it over and over and over again and it's amazing. It's always in 10 years. Wouldn't you love to make a prediction? Well, in 10 years, well, in 10 years, again, there's no... No accountability, but God says that truth, the truth is evident. We see it in creation, but it's even more than that. In Deuteronomy 13, 5, in Ezekiel 13, you know, there's a punishment for prophets who don't tell the truth. Little thing we call death. The Old Testament took lying or being wrong about your prophecies or prediction very, very seriously. Well, one of the reasons is because it undermines God's sovereignty. <clears throat> God is in control, not you. God's in control. The other things that is it leads so many people astray. The deception, the false teaching, and we see that this is going to escalate in the end times. We see this in Revelation. So that shouldn't surprise us. But in the Old Testament, over 300 prophecies were made about Jesus. You know how many of them came true? Get a calculator out. Figure out this percentage, because some of you aren't good at percentages. You know what 300 out of 300 is in a percentage? It's called 100% accurate. But we don't want to trust the veracity and the truth of this book. Meanwhile, the scientists are wrong over and over and over again. It leads me to, why for the people who have so much faith and confidence in scientists, why? I, I don't get it. It doesn't take but five minutes to find 20 examples of this stuff. Look at Al Gore's examples. He's supposed to be a genius. I mean, the polar bears are still alive. Um, that was one of his predictions. And, and it's not funny because these constant lies are re-quoted. And because we send you know, our kids to the government schools, then it's it's infiltrated in, the, in their hearts and minds. And so what they see then is, well, when they see the facts that do line up, you know, when the clock that's broken is right twice a day, well, it, it, was, right, it was right at noon last night, and it, it's right today. And so they have a very selective understanding then of what true science is. It's, it's, it's scary because that same belief system is infiltrated in our church. And God says, you know what? This isn't even hard. This is evident. I put it inside of you to know that there's a creator of the universe. Well, the third piece is, look, at the end of the day, God has authority. God has authority. There was a great man named Job. Job was a great man, and Job was attacked and tried by Satan and tested, and Job did well, but he wasn't perfect. And one of the things that God had to set Job straight on was, you know what? You're not in charge. I am. I am in charge. And it's interesting how, how God went about proving or showing his authority. In Job 38, then the Lord answered Job out of the whirlwind and said, who is this that dark darkens counsel by the words without knowledge. So these scientists spew out words 
and they don't have any real knowledge of the catastrophe that's coming in 10 years. None of them have, and none of them will, but they still do it. Now, gird up your loins like a man, and I will ask you. Now, you instruct me, Mr. Scientist. You instruct me. Where were you when I laid the foundation of the earth? Tell me. Explain to me the understanding of the expanse. Please explain that to me, how you separated that. Or verse 8, who enclosed the sea with doors? When bursting forth, it went out from the womb, from the birth of the sea. Explain to me how that happened because you're so smart. Have you ever put life commanded? Uh, have you ever in your life commanded the morning and caused the dawn to know its place? No, because I have. That's what God is saying. I'm in charge of the sun rising. I'm in charge of the darkness. I command the morning. And it goes on and on with thunder, with things like snow. Um, for the snow, he says in Job 37, 6, he says, fall on the earth and to the downpour and the rain, be strong. You know what? Be strong, rain, become snow, commanded, and it's done. From the breath of God, ice is made, and the expanse of the waters is frozen. I, we, we don't really have any concept of the audacity of what we're saying when we challenge God and his creation. And that's exactly what this climate crusade does. Why? Because it's God who created all these things. He's the one who births ice. And we're saying that the, that the father, that the creator somehow has lost control to us humans. We're going to destroy his creation. I don't think so. I love Job's response in, in Job 42. In Job 42, 2 through 6, I know that thou canst, uh, he, Job says, I know I can't do all things and that no purpose of yours can be thwarted. This is someone who finally gets it and understands it, right? I can't do all things, but your purpose, your design, your sustainability can't even be thwarted. Who is this that hides counsel without knowledge? Therefore, I have declared that which I do not understand, things too wonderful for me, which I do not know. Hear now, and I will speak, and I will ask thee, and do thou instruct me, instruct me, Lord. I have heard of thee by the hearing of an ear, and by now my eyes sees thee. Therefore, I retract, and I repent in dust and ashes. We don't understand all these things. It's incredibly complex. That's okay. It's okay that we can't explain surprisingly cold winters, you know, insanely hot summers, wildflowers, earthquakes, tsunamis. Yeah, we, we, that's not within us. But repent of thinking that you're in charge of that. that that's, that's audacity. And the beauty of this is Job is restored for his repentance of it. I, I spoke about logical fallacies. See, if God has authority, if God is in charge, 
then we have no fear. Matthew 6 addresses this with, with anxiety. And, and, and Jesus steps in and says, listen, don't be anxious about tomorrow. It's God who takes care of the lilies of the field, right? He, he clothes them. God is in charge of creation. You don't think he can take care of you? So be anxious for nothing. Instead, seek righteousness. Well, this turns everything over. No, be anxious. Be scared. Be fearful. It's an appeal to fear. Drought, starvation, extinction, these type of hyperbolic words. And so, it shouldn't be a shock that our, our, our youth then grows up in fear. That fear turns into anger. That anger turns into violent protests. I, I don't doubt the earnestness behind the, the kids. I, I do with the, the scientists. But this is a, a direct appeal to our emotions, not, not to facts, to emotions. And the science has abused its position and used it for indoctrination. Our only authority is God. God is our authority. We can, we can trust in God. Well, finally, how so? Our fourth response is because God upholds the earth. What does that mean? You know, you think of Atlas, right? Carrying you know, the earth on his back, the earth just dangles in God's fingers. It's light to him. He upholds it. Colossians 1, in Colossians 1, 16 through 17, we learn and read, hold on a second while I get there, <clears throat> that, and he is before all things, and in him all things hold together. Verse 16, for by him all things were created. Now think about this. Going back to our, our, the beginning. If God created the earth, if God created everything, and, and God has authority, and, and God was before all things, during all things, and in the future, it's only God that we should seek for our understanding because he is the one, after all, who upholds all things. He's the one who's in charge and cradling the earth. Um, how do we know this? How have we seen this played out? Well, Genesis 8.21, God promises with the rainbow that he will never, ever again destroy the earth with the flood, right? Promise kept. Could he do it? Yes, he did it. Did he do it again? No. We saw it with Sodom and Gomorrah that God used fire to wipe out a city. He has control and dominion over climate, over nature. In Revelation 29, we see that fire is going to devour Gog and Magog. God hasn't changed from, from Genesis all the way to Revelation. He still has the power to do whatever he wants. He's the one that's in control. In Revelation 20.10, we see that he's going to throw the devil, the beast, the false prophet into the fire. And you know what he's going to do? 
And this is why it's so important that we understand our scriptures. It's so important that we put all our faith, all our trust, all our confidence, which is our hope in scripture. It's because he tells us at the end how the end is going to work. You know how it's going to work at the end? With a new heaven and a new earth. Well, I'm glad the scientists don't read this because they would claim that they're going to create a new earth. Well, actually, that's exactly what they're claiming. They're claiming that by mandating us with every kind of weird little thing from Aquanet to electric cars to whatever, that they are going to create a new, perfect, utopian earth. That's their claim. Do not miss it. Do not miss it. And God has given us in scripture that no, he's in charge of the earth. He has created it. He's in charge of it. He has authority and he will sustain it from beginning to end and beyond. Beginning, the end, and beyond. And beyond. Why should I have confidence in this? Well, in Joshua 10, he stopped the sun. That's how powerful my God is. In Exodus 9 through 10, he had these things called the plagues, where he dropped down hell in three days of darkness. Now, this is the God that's in charge of climates. He was able to stop the sea when Jonah was thrown into it. Remember when the, the disciples were, were scared because the wind was so strong and the, the, the sea was raging? And what does Jesus do? He rebukes the wind stopping it. So you got to know who your God is. You, you, you have to know. And then it's like, well, well, all your chips have to go in. Who are you going to trust? Are you going to trust scientists who are wrong over and over and over and over? I don't have enough overs. It's a lot of overs. Again, I mean, it becomes ridiculous. Remember our definition of faith, because this is our faith, right? Faith is the assurance of things hoped for. I am sure that I can trust in this God. Because of over and over and over again, he has shown his ability and capacity to be the God and creator of the universe who creates and sustains all things. Now, progressive Christianity, they don't get it. They, they think that they can marry together these, these political beliefs into Christianity. They come up with things like theistic evolution, which theistic evolution doesn't make any sense. I mean, read Genesis 1. Um, but, but again, progressive Christianity tries to, to well, let, let's just all get along. They, they tie themselves into not, not focusing on being Christ-centered, but being political, which again gets into this, well, the ultimate virtue signal of the day is, I care about the earth. I care about you. I care about your babies. Um, but it's not biblical. Look, it's not wrong. You want to go green, go green. You want to reduce your carbon input imprint you want to you know buy an electric car or you know join the renewable energy get solar panels fine Th just don't make it a religion don't make it a religion it's not a religion it's not a crusade don't make it one 
Well, as I was studying this and coming to an end, it was, it, uh, you know, and reading so much, it's like, th this is actually really making me angry. Coming from a, a, a fraud standpoint, th this is like the greatest hoax that I've ever seen, ever read. Uh, the conspiracies, the frauds, they're laughing in our faces. I am the science, Fauci says. Like, he's never wrong. I'm, it's incredible. So, the government, plus the United Nations, plus the media, plus science, plus schools, equals? I don't know, but don't trust them. I know that. If there's no creator, then they're right. Man is in control. Man is in charge. Man might be able to kill the planet. But I don't trust man, sinful man. I don't trust these people. I don't trust men who've experimented on other men. These are the scientists that we've seen in the history of our culture. Um, I don't trust men and scientists who think that it's okay to perform gender surgeries. Because all these things are tied in. If there's no God, then science is your God. And science dictates absolute morality and truth. And whatever they say goes. So these are directly tied in. Make no mistake. We are in a battle. We're in a spiritual battle. But here's the thing. Psalm 46, 2-3. Though the earth gives away, have no fear. We don't need to be in fear. We don't need to be in fear of climate catastrophe. And we don't even need to be in fear of this movement. Now, now we need to respond, but we don't need to be in fear. We, we trust in our God. And we understand it's a battle of faith. And we understand that getting it right does matter. Let's pray.